This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, so good having you worship with us today. Those that are in the building, boy, it's growing week after week in the building. Those that are watching online, it's growing as well week after week. So good to be uh, just worshiping together on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to pretty much just stay in this book We're in a series, a.k.a. looking at the names of God. We're studying God's names. God knows your name. The question is, do we really know him? Do we know his name? God has chosen, over the last few weeks, we have looked at it. He's chosen to reveal himself, to reflect characteristics of his identity, of his nature, of his purpose, of who he is with us in different circumstances of our life. He's chosen to reflect that through the names that he's revealed himself by. God, G-O-D alone, doesn't really, uh, uh, doesn't really help us to understand who he is in the vastness. Like a diamond, we said last week, the different characteristics and fashion uh, facets of his name and who he is. This week, we're going to be looking at the Lord is my banner. A.K.A. Jehovah Nisi. Say that with me. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. It comes out of Exodus chapter 17. This is the story of uh, the battle of, uh, 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 that took place against Imelech. Imelech and Israel. Now, Imelech was a nation that declares war on Israel. In fact, it was the first nation that declares war on the nation of Israel. And therefore, it was an unwanted battle. It was an unwanted fight that Israel didn't desire or want. But Imelech comes after Israel. And and Imelech was the first nation that declares war on Israel. And therefore, God, we're going to see, declares war over Imelech. And we're going to see a battle that takes place. Now, Moses recognizes that this was the Lord's battle. In fact, the the methods of of warfare that he's going to use are, are, are methods that we wouldn't normally see. But it was something that God was saying, and there was lessons that the Lord was showing. And he's wanting Israel to see that the Lord himself was their banner. That through the Lord, they were going to beat and, and defeat the, uh, the, the Amalekites. And, 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 and that through the power that was in the name of the Lord and the banner of God, there was going to be great strength. Israel wins the battle, and Moses is going to build an altar. The altar that he's going to build was an altar that was named Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. Really what he was declaring is that through the Lord, there is victory in whatever situation that we go through. Now today, as we get started on on, uh, looking at Jehovah Nisi, we've got to define or understand, maybe is a better way of saying it, what was the what was the what was the meaning or what did banners really help us to understand what do they mean and how do they help us well if we understand this banner of the lord we've got to 
we, we got to come back a little bit and understand that, first of all, a banner in biblical times was a, a flag that was being waved. When armies would meet on the battlefield, each nation, even today, they will have their, 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 their national identification on that banner. There will be an insignia of some sort that represents that they are of this nation. If you travel around the world, you look at the different flags that we have in our missions convention, you'll see these insignias on the flags. And it was an identification that someone was of this nation. In fact, at the Olympic Games, one of the things that you'll often see when they win the gold is they'll run and they'll grab their flag, their banner, and they will run around the track or they'll wave their banner showing that they, their country, the, the, the national honor that they were fighting for, they're waving it, declaring victory that they had won. If you go uh, down to the Miami Heat Stadium, if you go to a game there, you will see the banners that are hanging in the rafters uh, of the victory championships that the Miami Heat have won. Banners were waved, they were hung, they represented and they declared one that was committed to a country or there was an allegiance to a nation or there was a victory that was being declared. When these armies would come together, they would come on that battlefield and, and they would have their banners and those banners would be what they would fight for. It would be the rallying call at the end. Now this is setting us up today for what, what Moses shows us God is for you and for I. That as we go into our battles, as we fight our battles, that God is there and God is fighting for us. Can I hear an amen? And so I want to give you some battle plans. I want to help you to understand that what the Lord will do with our banner as we declare and understand that he is victorious, that God will fight for us. So I want you to pause with me for one more moment as we ask the Lord to reveal. Father, open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts and show us today that you are our banner, our personal banner. Father, you are the one fighting with us and for us. We declare, Lord, that you are Jehovah Nisi, and we don't forget it. That God, you are the one that fights and stands with us no matter what. That God, we can look to you and we can call on you. And so today, God, illuminate your word to our hearts. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Look with me here in Exodus chapter 17. Verse eight and nine is where we're going to start. And there's some lessons that we learn, some lessons here that helps us to understand Jehovah Nisi and that the Lord is our banner. Exodus 17, verse eight, then Imelech came out to fight with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Imelech. Now, if I can bring you back a little bit in our story. Here, they're going to go to battle and, and the Amalekites come up behind Israel. In fact, they come behind them. They, they begin to infiltrate them from the rear. They didn't meet them from the front. They come from behind. Now, usually when, when armies would be going and they would be marching, the women and the children, the elderly would be in the rear of the, uh, of the procession that they would be going as they were marching through the land. The warriors would be up in the front. The fighters would be up there. Well, here, 
the Amalekites begin to come behind and they begin to go at battle. Now this is the first battle that Israel is going to be going into. The Amalekites were warriors. They were, they were seasoned battle uh, men and they would understand uh, the, 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 techni- the technical aspects of, of fighting and, and warfare. And they begin to come after Israel. So what Moses says is to Joshua, he says, I want you to gather some men and I want you to send them out, go out and fight with the Amalekites. Well, here, all of a sudden, we begin to see a battle plan that begins to come together. And there's an encouragement that comes to our heart today that in our battle, the name that God is revealing to you and I is that he is our personal covering. He is our, he is the one that's fighting with us and for us. And he is the one that we can stand under and know that we've come under refuge of a God that's most high and a God that's all powerful and all omniscient and all knowing. And no matter what the battle, he is with us. Can I hear an amen? So if you're taking notes today, the first thought that we want you to understand today is that we've got to be ready to fight. We got to fight for what is the promises of what God has for us. You see, Israel is moving towards the promised land. They come through the Red Sea. They, they're, they're coming through the desert and they're, hand, they're, they're, they're on their way to the promised land. This was the promise of what God had told them for years and years and years that they were going to receive. Now, that's like a prayer that you've been praying. This is something that you've been asking God to do in your life and for your family. And as you're praying and and you're on the brink of your promise, the, the prayer being answered on the way, you enter into this battle. Now, Amalek was the, uh, the, the, the grandson of Esau. If we go biblically back a little bit, you will see that, uh, Amalek believes that there is this battle that was going on between Esau and, uh, and, and, and here, could it be that Imelech was trying to get revenge for what happened in his family? Jacob and Esau, if you remember the drama that was there. Well, Imelech being the grandson of Esau, maybe he is believing that the promised land is really his. Whatever it is that there's this conflict that's going on and this conflict begins to bring them into a place where now they're about to get to their promise and here the Amalekites arrive. They begin to fight for them and and fight against them. Now, the lesson that I want us to understand, I'm setting up some history to understand the lesson is that there is a conflict and the conflict is with Imelech and, and the Amalekites are going to come against them and it's a symbolic biblical representation of the enemy that's fighting for you and for me. He's fighting against the promises that God has for us. Imelech is a biblical representation of a devil who is standing against the purposes of God, standing against you, the body of Christ. You see, Satan is fighting God's eternal plans. He's fighting God's work in our lives daily. You and I are fighting daily. We're fighting the imelects of our life. It's a spiritual battle and there's promises that God wants us to get to. But if we constantly look at the battle, if we look at the enemy that's in the battle, if we look at the things that we are wrestling with, we begin to find that we lose our faith and it blocks the will of God for us. So what's the lesson? Is the lesson for you and I is that 
Moses says to Joshua, get your men and go out and fight. See, this is a moment of faith. It was a moment that in circumstances, in the daily struggles that you and I will walk through, the the daily battles that we will fight, no matter what it is, no matter what odds are against us, there has got to be a faith that comes up underneath you and I and undergirds us and strengthens us because of a hope that's in us that knows that there is a promise There is a victory. There is something that is coming that we've been believing for and moving towards and looking towards and asking God to do. Maybe it's a prayer that you've been praying for your family, maybe for your children, your spouse. Maybe it's something in your life. Maybe it's a circumstance that you've been wrestling with. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe there's something that just got you in a place of discouragement. What Moses says to Joshua As Moses says, get those men and I want you to go out and I want you to fight. Don't hold back. Don't don't let this keep you from walking in what God has for you. I want you to go out and I want you to fight. Now, when I reel that back in my own personal life, I've got to begin to ask the Lord God, how do I strengthen my faith? In the midst of conflict, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the battles of life, those Imelech situations. God, how does my faith grow? How do I keep walking in obedience? How do I keep honoring you and serving you? And these are the questions that we keep, we keep week after week after week coming to and saying, God, will you teach us how to be your people? Peter says it this way. Look at the screen. First Peter, in first Peter chapter five and verse eight, I'm gonna read from the Message Bible. It says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you. What napping? Keep up your guard. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last Forever, It won't be long before what? This generous God who has great plans for us, what in Christ, eternal and glorious plans that they are, he will put us together. He'll put us back on our feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Man, what is he saying? Peter is reminding us exactly the lesson that Moses had learned with the people is that we've got to keep fighting. We've got to keep walking. There is imelechs in our life. There are battles that we're going to face, but the duty of believers is to stay alert. Why? There's an adversary. He's trying. He's sending temptations. He's doing everything to send doubts and, and get you to question what God is doing. But when you stand strong and and you realize that this is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual fight. And you learn how to stand against the accuser and the one that's slandering. There is a strength that comes to you. Can I get a praise in the house? You stand strong. Trust him. Raise your banner of faith. Raise it high and declare, God, my faith is in you. I trust you and I'm depending on you. I want you to know God has a plan for your life and that plan is under attack. 
God has a plan for your family. He has a purpose of what he wants to do in and through your life. Don't let it be a cliche, but let it be something that fills your spirit that says, I'm fighting for the purpose of what God has for me. I'm fighting for my family. I'm fighting to walk in the anointing. I'm fighting to fulfill the purpose of God, the ministry of God, and the plans of God. There is a fight, and I've got to hold on strong. Now, the good news is in verse 9, you're not fighting this battle alone. You're, as a believer, you're under the banner of the Lord. He is your banner, and under that banner is a protection, and there is an anointing. In fact, that's why it's so important to be in the house of God, maybe not physically, but in the, uh, in the covering of a body of Christ because you come together with a unity that's there knowing that you're not walking alone, but you're walking with others. So if you're taking notes, the second thing I want you to see here, the second lesson that comes out of our verses is that we're not fighting alone but we're fighting with the Lord, for the Lord, under the banner of the Lord, and therefore we depend on the Lord to fight our battles. How do I do it? I keep my eyes on him. How do I do it as I continue to say, God, let me walk the walk of obedience because the walk of obedience gives me strength for the spiritual fight against Imelech that I will face every day. Look here, go back to our key verse. Exodus chapter 17, look at verse nine. He says, tomorrow, Moses said, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. I got me a real staff this week. <laughs> Last week, my, my, my prop broke. <laughs> I don't know if this one's gonna break. but Now, remember, the staff of God was that, it was that tool of anointing for Moses that God used in Moses' life, that the staff became a stake, the, the staff that parted the Red Sea. God used that staff. The staff guides, it protects. The staff is one that would be there to help the shepherd as he would lead the sheep. And Moses says, tomorrow, I'm gonna stand on top of the hill. I'm gonna go to the mountain with the staff of God in my hand. Now, we love the mountaintop experiences because it's at the mountaintop where we're hearing God. It's in the mountaintop where vision is being released. It's on the mountain that you're interceding and you're connecting with God. There's clarity, there's purpose, there's understanding on the mountain. Unfortunately, we're too busy sometimes to not climb up to the mountain. We don't get up there where we can hear God and we don't see God and we don't understand what God wants to do. But Moses says, I'm going up to the mountain. Tomorrow, I'm gonna have the staff in my hand. Joshua, I want you to go out and fight. Take those men. Remember, you go out and fight. I'm gonna go up to the mountain. So Joshua did as Moses told him. And he fought with Imelech while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. When Moses would hold out his hand, Israel would prevail. So as Moses is interceding and he's praying and he's holding out his hand, every time he did, Israel prevailed. But whenever, whenever he began to lower his hand, Imelech prevailed. 
So here you can get the picture. Moses is up on the mountain. You've seen pictures and he's praying and he's interceding and he's praying over the the battle, the spiritual battle that's taking place. What are they fighting for? It's the same fight that we have against Imelech, Satan right now that's coming after your faith. He's trying to kill, steal and destroy. What are we interceding over? So we're over, we're over seed, interceding over the purpose of God, the plan of God, the promise of God, over that anointing of God. We're interceding over our family. We're interceding over our city. We're interceding over our children, over our youth, over our young adults. We're, inter, we're, we're interceding over our marriages. We're interceding over our wives, our husbands. We're interceding over the purposes of what God wants to do. The staff of God represented for Moses the anointing of God. And man, he said, I'm gonna go up and he's gonna begin to intercede and you're gonna, you're gonna fight the battle. And there Moses is, he's holding up the staff. He, he raised it up. And as he's, fight, as he's praying and interceding, Israel was winning the battle. Now that staff was not any heavier It's just the longer he held it, it got more weightier, right? It got heavy and his arms would go down. Now, there's a side lesson here. It's not a point to write down, but spiritual battles are difficult. Come on, let me hear it right now. Spiritual battles. I mean, when you're in a spiritual battle, it's something that is weighing you down. And the more you're in a spiritual battle, the heavier that battle can be. Some of you are here today and I know that you're in a spiritual battle. You've been fighting a battle. Some of you, it just came on you. For some, it's been for a while. For some, they're fighting a spiritual battle. Right now, you're listening to me. You're fighting a spiritual battle for your family. You've been holding a staff and you've been praying over symbolically over that family, over that loved one. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a grandchild, maybe it's a husband or a wife and you're praying. Here, Moses' hands begin to grow weary. And boy, the, the side lesson that we've just got to hold on to is that spiritual battles can be tiring. Can I hear an Amen. So we're praying, God, strengthen me in my battle, God, as I'm standing for you, representing you on the mountain. I pray, oh God, that you will give me the strength. Now, the problem is we often have two extremes. One extreme is we're gonna stay on the mountaintop and we're only gonna pray about it. Or the other extreme is we're gonna get down into the valley like Joshua and we're gonna do what only we can do, not depending on God. And there's gotta be a balance somewhere. We gotta get to the mountain where God's anointing and God's power is released and your faith and your confidence is built up. But you gotta realize that there are some practical steps that we've got to do and we've gotta take down in the valley. There's a balance between the mountain and the valley. And so here he is and, and, and as he's praying over the battle and he's interceding over the battle, man, that spiritual battle was waging. And as the staff would begin to go down, the Amalekites would begin to win the battle. Well, that happens to you and I. Sometimes we let down our spiritual guards. We let down, we get tired of that spiritual battle. We get tired of reading our Bibles. We get tired of of going to church. We get tired of serving in ministry. We get tired of doing the very thing that gives us the victory in our life. 
And if we let down the staff, if we, if we let down in that spiritual battle, if it, if it gets too heavy, it gets too weighty, you get tempted to give up. Well, Moses was growing weary. And when his arms were dropping, Imelech would prevail. So Aaron and Hur came up with a plan. Aaron and Hur's plan, we can see it here. Aaron and Hur's plan was one that as Moses would begin to lower his hands, Israel would begin to lose the battle. And so we see here, when his hands grew weary, they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, verse 12, one on one side and one on the other side. So when his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So his hands are steady because we have heard that when, when they're holding up his hands, Aaron and her holding up his hands, the amazing thing about this is they were responsible for the spiritual power as they were lifting up Moses' hand that brought victory to Israel in that battle. Now, what's the lesson for us today, pastor? And it's the third thought I want you to write down. The third thought is that we've got to surround ourselves with the right people. You've got to have people around you that are helping to hold up your spiritual hands, so to speak. The Aaron and the Her. Of course, we see Moses is the leader. Moses is the one that's leading them. But Aaron and Her represent for us people that come around us that when the spiritual battle is weighing us down, there's an Aaron and a Her that comes and is lifting us back up. What's amazing, I don't want you to miss it because you might be an Aaron. You might be a her for somebody. You may feel like all I'm doing is lifting up their arms for the spiritual battle, but what's amazing is Aaron and her were responsible to help the spiritual power that was flowing as Moses was interceding and praying. You know, in the body of the church, the body of Christ, you and I, we're holding up each other. Turn to somebody around you over the airways, point to somebody and say, thank you for holding me up. Thank you for encouraging me. We hold up each other. Now, my question is, are you holding up somebody? Are you helping somebody in their spiritual battle? Do you have an Aaron and a her? Are you an Aaron and a her in someone's life? You see, when life gets hard, when your spiritual battle, and we all walk through spiritually tough, difficult times. Let's be honest. No matter how long you've walked with God, no matter what role you may have of serving in the church, the reality is there is a spiritual battle, and sometimes that spiritual battle can weigh you down. But when life makes you tired, the beautiful thing about the body of Christ are there are people that come alongside and they hold up your hands. And as they hold up your hands, they keep you from quitting. They quit, keep you from throwing in the towel. They keep you from walking away. They keep you from drifting away. But the problem is, is we push them away. Sometimes we take the staff and we beat them away. And they're the very people that we need because they hold up our hands. But the reality is we don't let them get close to us. You see, the enemy's got us deceived that we can do it alone, 
The enemy's got us to see that we gotta be strong and we gotta keep our hands up all the time. And what we don't realize is that when we get Aaron and hers around us, it helps us in our fight. It keeps us strong, keeps me connected to God. It keeps me with a spiritual strength that helps me fight the battle. Now, for those of you that are in a small group, this is a great discussion question right here is how can you keep holding up each other's arms? How can you keep encouraging and inspiring one another? What I love about it is it wasn't just Moses that was the one that was praying and interceding. You had Joshua down in the battle with the men in the fight in the valley. You had Aaron and her that were standing there helping and God was moving. Man, it's a beautiful picture, but you gotta have the right people around you. There's some people that are watching and listening right now. You got the wrong people around you. You got the wrong people. They're not encouraging you. They're not strengthening you. They're not keeping you strong in your spiritual battle. They're actually pulling you down. You're compromising and you're justifying and you're giving in, but you gotta get some people around you that are gonna push you in your spiritual battle. I love this scene of having the errands and the hers in your life. You know, all through our life and ministry as pastors, Candy and I can tell you, we've had Aaron and hers around us. Aaron and hers, and we've, we've, we've never felt like it was just us in the battle. There was Joshua, there were the men that were fighting in the battle, there was Aaron's and there were hers and there were people that were there. God sent to Candy and I probably 15, 16 years ago, a couple, man, they've been our Aaron and hers for years and years and years. They've served with us in Europe. They've served with us here in Fort Lauderdale. That's Bill and Louise. They've been our Aaron and our hers. I mean, Louise has told Candy, God sent me for one purpose and it was to be an Aaron and a her for you, to keep our hands up in the spiritual battle. That's what we all need. We need the Aaron and the hers. We need one another. We need people that'll come along next to us and they're interceding with us and they're fighting a battle with us. You see, the point here is that we're mutually interdependent on one another because life gets exhausting, but you're gonna have an Aaron and a her that's gonna support you in your spiritual battle. So point to somebody and say, don't fight alone. Come on, don't fight alone. Don't fight alone. You're fighting alone. You gotta quit fighting alone. Invite some people into your circle. Invite some people into your life. You gotta invite them. If you don't invite them, they may not come into your circle. You've got to invite some people into your circle. And boy, before you leave today, I want you to ask yourself, who are you an Aaron for? Who are you a her for? Who are you standing with to help them in their battle? Oh, but I don't have an Aaron and her in my life. Well, let me tell you, you do the Lord's work and God will begin this in Aaron and hers to help you in your battle and in your fights. You get the right people into your your circle and it begins to give you a spiritual strength that helps you and it gives you support for what God wants you to do. Look at this next verse that I have for you in Ephesians chapter four. In verse 16, for him, the whole body is joined and held together by what? Every, underline it, supporting ligament. 
It grows and it what builds itself up in love, underline it, as each part does its work. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, the, the best way and the quickest way for you to get connected with Aaron and hers is to join a life group. And if you're not a part of a life group, I wanna encourage you today, determine today that you're gonna get in a life group. You may say, Pastor, I don't live in Fort Lauderdale. That's okay, we have virtual Zoom life groups. In fact, they're gonna put on the screen, I think, uh, you're going to see a link or a way that you can get signed up to a life group. We have virtual life groups, Zoom life groups, we have in-person life groups, we have men life groups and women life groups and couple life groups, young adult life group, youth life, you get the point, right? We have life groups everywhere. We have life group leaders that are leading life groups up in Orlando in different places. You can be a part of a life group and it's vital because you can't do life alone. Can I hear an amen? Well, let me wrap this up. The last and final part of this story is found in verse 19. The last and final part of the story. Actually, let me go back to to verse 14. Back up to verse uh, 14 of our story. The Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out of the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and he called uh, and named it, the Lord is my banner. Now remember, a banner represents commitment. It represents alignment. It represents victory. So what Moses was saying is the Lord is my banner. He is my victory. I am aligned with him. I make my commitment to him. I fight for him. And because I'm with him, he is my banner and he therefore is my victory. Saying, a hand upon a throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The banner represents victory. The last and final point, I wanna illustrate it today in these final moments. I'm gonna invite one of our dancers, Lynette, to come up. Lynette is gonna come up symbolically with the banner and she's gonna begin to help us to understand visually that the Lord is going to fight the battle. And I want you to write it down. The fourth point that you've got to know is that when we're fighting with the Lord, you've gotta remind yourself that the Lord will win the war. You see, we have a blessed hope It's a hope of eternity. And what the Lord is saying is that as that banner is being waved, remind yourself that your commitment is what? To the Lord. Remind yourself that you're aligned with the Lord. You're a part of the Lord's army. And you remind yourself that the Lord is going to win the battle. You might be in a battle right now and you've got to remind yourself that victory is the Lord's. He is the Lord, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Nisi. He knows that Imelech is going to come and fight you. 
from generation to generation. Moses was declaring something prophetically that the enemy of your soul will keep coming back. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Imelech represents the devil. Imelech represents daily battles and conflict. But the, the Lord said through Moses, Write it down as a memorial that the Lord is my banner. And from generation to generation, Jehovah Nisi will be present in my battle. In this battle, in future battles, in your battle with cancer, in your battle for your marriage, in the battle for your family, Jehovah Nisi. You see, there is a blessed hope that says when I align, when I align to the captain, the captain of the army, when I make a commitment and I give my life to him, Jehovah Nisi will fight my battles. In fact, I love what Jeremiah chapter one and verse 19 says, Jeremiah 1 19, they will fight against you, but you shall prevail. They will not prevail against you for I am with you, declares the Lord, and I will deliver you. Man, when you apply this to your own life, you can begin to declare the Lord our God is victorious. In this battle, in every future battle, because Jesus, just say that word with me, Jesus. Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. Jesus is the banner over our lives. Jesus, how? How? Through his saving grace. He's the captain of the army. He gave his life for my salvation. Jesus is our banner. Jesus is my victory. When I lift up my intercession, when I begin to pray, what am I doing is I'm coming under the banner and the banner is declaring victory and power over my life. Jesus is my glory. He's the glory and his glory will be revealed. All across this room, I want you to stand with me. Those of you that are watching online, I want you, if you can, to stand right where you're at we're going to begin to declare a song we sing often. But as we begin to declare it, I want us to begin to see it visually. I want you to see it. The Lord is your banner. Your battle, you bring it. You bring it. You bring it to the one who is victorious. You begin to realize. You begin to declare it. You begin to, you begin to, to shout it from the rooftop. The Lord is my banner. The enemy is going to kill. He's going to try to steal. He's going to try to destroy. He's going to try to attack you. But man, visually today, prophetically today, we're making a declaration that this battle is the Lord's and he will win the war. There might be a fight. There might be warfare. But the Lord is my banner. And as we declare it through this song, I want you to see it. If you've got an issue you're walking through, I want you to begin to release it. I want you to begin to say, God, your banner over me is love. Your banner over me is love. Every battle I'm in, every battle that will come, the blessed hope is that your banner over me is victorious. Let's sing it together.
If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.